FMX Network Production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you to the folks at Fly Racing for making this happen. You've seen the gear. You've seen the 2024 stuff. It's some of their best ever. Seriously, I think it's really some of their best ever stuff. You can see that at flyracing.com. Their Formula S helmet is the next level in helmet safety. It is one of the most advanced motocross helmets ever created, uh, tested on the most advanced equipment in the world. The Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. This technology-advanced helmet redefines helmet performance and safety expectations, and it's really great. It's got a cool little app that comes along with it. It can help you. It can really save your life. It's got the Rion energy cells in it. It's got lots of stuff going on. Thank you to the folks at Fly Racing for coming on board this pod- podcast, and thank you for 25 years in uh, in business. So thank you to the folks at um, Fly Racing for coming on board with this podcast. Max's Tires as well, a gift from the Moto Science Nerds to you. Medium to hard and soft intermediate tires available now. So they've got the full range of tires. MXSTs developed by Jeremy McGrath. Great mountain bike tires, light truck tires, trailer tires, all of that. So thank you to the uh, folks at um, Max's Tires for coming on these shows. Really appreciate it. And Renthal, of course. Renthal.com, Monster Energy Kawasaki, Red Bull KTM, Factory Honda. Honda's used no other bar since 1986. I mean, come on, man. Renthal.com, from the 7 8 bar to the uh, Fat Bar 36 to Fat Bar Twin Wall Bar, all of it. They got cloth bar pads now for you vintage guys. They've got that out. They got a dealer inventory uh, section on their website for the USA. They have um, uh, all the bar bands on there as well if you want to try to match it up to something else out there. Renthal.com made over there in the UK. More championships than all the other brands combined. And I don't need to tell you about Renthal. If you're listening to this and you race or ride, you've probably used something from Renthal. Chains, sprockets, grips, all of it. So we'll tell you more about motorsport.com and Coba Links later on in the show. But really appreciate it uh, to you guys listening to the podcast and uh, happy holidays and all of that from uh, from me, and uh, as we get near the beginning of Supercross, I have a lot more stuff coming out for you. So thank you again for listening. Appreciate it. Welcome to the Fly Racing Race Rex Podcast. All right, everybody, now time to welcome a good friend of mine uh, from back in the day on the uh, Fly Racing Race Rex Podcast to talk, catch up with him a little bit. And I think a lot of people will remember this name, and uh, he certainly had a lot of success in the sport as a mechanic or a crew chief. It's Mike Williamson. What's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you, Steve? Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, no we, problem. we text uh, every now and then and kind of, you know, talk about the races and everything. So it looks like, to me, Mike, you're still following the series. You're still watching them. 
Uh, yeah, I watch all the races. I follow it pretty closely and still have a lot of friends doing it and riders. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's slowed down at all on that, that part. Oh, so you're, yeah. So you're into it. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Um, and is your, is your kid getting into it and riding and all that? Um, you know what? My, my 12 year old races side by sides. Yes. So he, he's just moved up to the youth 1000 class. Um, you know, with some, some little bit of support from Polaris and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So that's a, he's, a, he's got a cage around him. <laughs> so like, he's not into bikes. He doesn't, has no desire. Or you have no uh, desire to get him into it. <laughs> pit bikes. They, okay. you know, he, he's asked to race them. He's raced pit bike races, but, um, eh, you know, he, he's good at the side-by-side -side stuff. So we're <laughs> going to stick with that. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's safer. It's probably more expensive, but it's safer. Yeah, both, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's good Good to see for sure. Uh, you know, you've always been into that. Like when I first met you, you're, you're from the San Diego area and going out to the dunes, uh, riding side-by-sides, riding dune buggies, that kind of stuff. You've always been into that. I remember you reading magazines like like not, not UTVs weren't even around then. So I don't know what you were reading, dune buggy action or something, right? Like you've always been into it. Yeah, you know what? I grew up going to the desert, mm -hmm. and um, when the side-by-sides first came out, I don't know, mid-2000s or whatever, I mean, obviously people didn't think it was going to take off like it did, but it's huge. They they haven't gone anywhere, and the market's huge, and um, they're fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it was cheap fun at, at one point, but yeah, it's getting a little more expensive these days. It's nuts to, you know, I, I, I'm an ambassador influencer for Yamaha and I talked to those guys and about that market and they brought out a new one, I think a couple of years ago and they're, they're, they're nuts. They're just like, like they're getting to be like mini trophy trucks, almost the, the pricing and the, the technology and everything, man, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. I mean, as they keep developing these things, the suspension travel gets more, the power gets more. And then it gets more expensive to make, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. And it seems like, like obviously, with COVID and stimulus checks, no one could keep the things in stock. And everyone was kind of waiting for the slowdown. But from people I talked to, yeah, Polaris has a new model out. Or Can-Am put a new model out or something. And, it, the, yeah, the, the sales may maybe not be COVID levels. But, the, yeah, like you said, the things are still selling, man. People, these things are a lot of money. And there's a lot of people with a lot of money buying these. Yeah, I mean, when you know when the, the season rolls around, they're they're hard to find. Like, if, mm -hmm. if there's a certain one you want, you have to really shop around or go out of state to uh, find the one you want. But yeah. I mean, they all seem to have a good platform, and everyone's looking for something a little bit different. But they're fun, like yeah. I said. Uh, what are you doing now? Tell tell our listeners what, what's going on with Mike Williamson now. I'm just running a company for my father-in-law, an off-road company. You know, he does uh, the, the airplane stuff still, the the Boeing stuff and, you know, steering columns and throttle mm -hmm. assemblies and all that stuff. And then we have a sister company, JMR Performance, that does uh, off-road stuff, trophy truck hubs, trophy truck brakes, okay. uh, snouts, shifters, you know, yep. all, all that stuff. So just running a crew over here and uh, it, it's a machine shop. You know, to yeah. say the least. Yeah. So. You know, uh, the the Baja just ended and Bradshaw finished. He was stoked. Damon Bradshaw. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching. You're, you're a Bradshaw guy. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's from the East, man. How could you not be? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Like, he's he's uh, he works with Fly Racing and Yamaha, two of my big guys. So, I see him a ton. He came to my Millville Ride Day in the fall. 
Like it's great. It's just fantastic. What, what what's a little um, sad, and I hope he doesn't hear this, is like like a lot of these old guys, and you know, they love telling stories about themselves, and they love talking about themselves, and you know, they haven't really left that era, and that's awesome for a fan like me and you. Bradshaw is not like that though, dude. He couldn't tell you ten things about his career that he remembers. Like he knows he was good, and you know, and all that. But dude, the guy, like, yeah, he's not he's not one to like totally remember everything about his career which bums me out <laughs> well but at the same time it's probably good he's just living living in the now instead yeah. of the past yeah you know? yeah no absolutely so, no for sure he's having fun no you're right you're right uh hey so we're coming up to uh anaheim here and you know it's a lot of work for mechanics as you know uh, you did it for a long time um i'm guessing you know since you walked away from being crew chief for eli cowie uh after some years as a mechanic and for him and RV and, and more, we'll get into that. Do you do you look back and miss this time of year? Miss the enthusiasm? Miss the excitement of the races? Because I mean, you have more of a quote unquote normal job now. Like, do you sometimes find yourself like, ah, oh, man, that was fun, that was adrenaline, you know, that was excitement, depending on the wins and the losses, or are you like completely fine with what you do now? Um. I think maybe the last year I've, I've kind of missed it. I mean, I, I like the pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, I do miss it. Yeah. If, if the right opportunity came back, I mean, I'm in a position now where I, I would go back and Whoa, do it. Whoa, really? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, yeah. With my, with okay. my kids being, you know, when, when I left, we had newborn twins. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was part of the decision was like, okay, do I go like play with dirt bikes, you know, every mm -hmm. weekend or do I go help my wife who's drowning with, newborn twins you know and it yeah. was something i had to do but now that they're bigger and you know yeah. can handle themselves uh yeah if the if the the position was right and i and there's been a few offers in the last couple of years but you know maybe not exactly what i wanted to do mm -hmm. um so if, if something comes up cool if not it's, it's not a big deal you know it's not that doesn't really matter but yeah. uh yeah i would do it again i miss it it's it's fun was it Alfers to be crew chief or back to spinning wrenches? Oh no, I, I think I, I spend enough wrenches on my kids' stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you would come back a little bit. I didn't think I'd hear that from you. I thought I thought the answer would be like, nope, I'm good. Yeah. But, I know. mean, yeah, I, I'm still into it. I talk to a lot of people all week long mm -hmm. that still, you know, try to help people out, and you know, I've I've got a lot of. Uh, outside resources now just just people i've met and stuff through my son racing and everything yep. else that man if these if these guys had a way in these i've got this guy that does tuning and and uh you know electronics and mm -hmm. he's unreal compared to anybody i ever met in the motocross industry and it's like there's people out there that i think can can help out can help. And, yeah yeah it's it's crazy the the people you meet but yeah no for sure i'm i Okay. You know, I just talked to I talked to Timmy this week. If that counts, <laughs> oh wow! I mean, you know, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, the the greatness of that. Um, yeah. He moved to Georgia, like he's all in on that. Well, but so. doesn't Timmy move like every six months? Yeah, that's probably a good point. You're right. Yes. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, he's great. Um, I, I I asked him the other day a question about some race, and just completely clueless as usual. Talk about you know Bradshaw level. He's probably worse. Um, yeah. You know, but but it's great, yeah. So when's the last time you talked to Brock Sellers? 
Uh, you know what? I haven't seen Brock oh, okay. talk to him in years. Is oh, he still okay. in Ohio? Yeah, yeah. I, I figured there was some sort of communication there about old V-dubs or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was things. <laughs> he was into things. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Volkswagen. Yeah, things. Volkswagen yeah. things. Right, right. Uh, no, it's interesting. So, okay. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're. You're into it a little bit. I did not expect that. That's good to hear. Yeah, maybe we'll see you back in the pits. Or, you know, yeah, the level of technology now um, is is high, right? And that's yep. they're they're no longer looking for motocross guys who just have a motocross background. It's road racing now. It's electronics. It's data acquisition. It's all that stuff. You know, so we're seeing more yeah, more which of it. is I mean, obviously that's a huge part, but I mean, I still think your guys like that have been around this sport, not the road racing guys where you got like, you know, the Mitch or the mm-hmm. Ian or, or Roger, these guys, they know motocross. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, I know the road race guys are super smart, but at the same time, like it's not tarmac. It, the dirt changes every lap. You have to anticipate what the track's going to do. Like, you know, the, the motocross guys are still, still have an advantage i think when it comes to this sport yeah 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 no i think i think you're probably right um yeah it's it's crazy the stuff they could do now to these bikes and to the tuning and everything else you know so um so when you left a little while ago has it been 12 years for real no no it hasn't been that long no when did you leave no it's been five no yeah, oh, my yeah? twins are six, okay. and they were almost a year old. So. Oh, okay. Oh, you got a twelve-year-old. You you got another twelve-year-old. Oh, I have a twelve-year-old. Yeah, ah. no, Jake was Jake was around when got RV was. Got it. Okay, I, I was confused there. I, I lose track of people's kids and how many they have. So got it. Um, I don't think it was. Uh, I think it's fair to say that when you left, it was a little, a little uh, bitter, a little acrimonious between yourself and Monster Energy Kawasaki and some people that were there. Um, have you have you are you okay with all of that now at this point like are you looking back on it like you're you're you you enjoy the time you had there and everything's kind of like you know time heals all type deal yeah no i mean i i still love kawasaki i i still have a lot of friends that work there and mm-hmm. um you know not not on the team but just people in, in kawasaki in general yep. and yep. you know obviously bruce sternstrom i've known him for ever and um yeah you know i mean it it was a, a tough decision to do like it it didn't set well with me for a while but yep i you know i had been we went through a lot of managers there right Mm -hmm. so there's you had these different teams like you know you get a manager in there like mark mark johnson you know Mm -hmm. and he runs the team a certain way and then you know then you get fish in there and he runs it a different way so um reed nordine was jumping yeah i still talk to reed and um but you know i think just at the moment in time i i didn't really care for the the leadership or Mm -hmm. or the way that it was ran where you know if we lose it's this guy's fault or if we lose it's a suspension guy's fault you know or whatever like it wasn't winning and losing as a team and it just got to the point where it was like okay do i do i go stay home and help my wife out with with our twins mm-hmm. or do I just kind of like keep doing this and be not really having fun? Yeah. yeah not yeah. miserable. I wouldn't say that because yeah. I enjoyed racing, but it was just, you know what? I, I had to do something different and, and it, and it worked out. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I didn't miss all this time with my kids growing up mm-hmm. and everything else. So, um, 
No, I mean, there's okay. it is what it yeah. is. Right? Yeah, you, you're yeah. not like, uh, uh, fuck that, those guys or anything. Like, no, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, right. um, you know what? Uh, like, I, it, it is funny because uh, Eli had been the fastest guy for a number of years with you and thrown it away and should have more titles than what he does. And um, he got the title in the COVID year. And he, that not winning the Supercross title, looking back on it, weighed on him and John way more than they let on and way more than I thought because just personality-wise and life outlook and interviews and the way he interacts even away from the, the media, uh, Eli and cer- certain extent John too, that one title changed a lot, man. They, the pressure of not winning a Supercross title uh, and you were there for part of it for for just dumb reasons and goofy reasons. Really, yeah, we were close, huh? Oh God, yeah. But but they got the one, and a lot changed, man. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but that was that that yeah, that was strange too to see them leave, right? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. It was it was odd, but I mean, I, I mean, yeah. to be honest, I think I think they just kind of left for the same reasons I did later down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I but I think the you know, they have more freedom with the bike now, right? And I think at at that times, yeah, they got a little constricted from being in that box, right? But I felt like you and correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like you were the guy to say, "Hey, we do have to stay in this box. We can't no. do this. We can't do that." <laughs> well, I might have been the guy that had to relay the message, but I wasn't the guy making the decisions, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, you, I guess you could, you, you get to be a fall guy for yeah the people behind the curtain, right? Right. So, right. no, I think if anybody that knows me, um, I'm trying everything you can. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, no sleep. I'm trying everything in the toolbox and then everything that's yeah setting out of the toolbox. I mean, no, I don't think there's ever an end in testing. They, you have to just you got to try everything you know mm-hmm. that, you know who used to tell me that all the time rick ash he'd tell me all the time you got to try everything even if you don't think it's going to work and i and i always worked that way and believed that way you know but okay um, yeah yeah so okay. i think yeah yeah when, when when you start getting restricted on what you can do and you have to quantify your reasons for testing it mm-hmm. kind of takes the takes the fun out of it you right know? okay yeah if you had I think if you had stuck around and you would have saw a change in John and Eli after that title, you know, uh, things would have been a little easier. I mean, I don't, I don't think anything really changed after I left. Um, Well, their attitudes is what I'm saying. Like they, well, yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, they're good people anyway. I just think that, you know, I was kind of getting beat up for being the guy that's supposed to be making the calls. And then (laughs) when I left, it just went straight to the top and then they figured out probably that those guys making the calls were out of here, you know? Right. Right. So it's not, I mean, everything comes from the top. It's not, you don't just get to do what you want. Yeah. So. Yeah. Funny. There is, there is a lot of politics at the factory level, right? There doesn't need to be, no, but there is, but there is. you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I always think like, you know, like with the Yamaha, we, that bike was out. What? When James was, riding it for the first time and and it, everybody like struggled with that bike right mm-hmm. it was always weird but like how eli likes his stuff set up and it's kind of different than everybody else if he would have 
probably bypassed Cowie and had it got a Yamaha ride or something, he probably would have won a lot sooner because it's just like his style seems to suit that bike really good. Mm-hmm. Well, they've made you a know. ton of changes from James, though, to, to when he won. A ton yeah, of changes. no, I know yeah. that, yeah. but uh, you don't really see anybody else be as successful as Eli on that bike. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You no. know, he, he, it just it works with him. Sure. It works really good for him. So. Right. What uh, what part of Kawasaki did you enjoy the most? Like you worked for Tim Ferry, uh, the great Tim Ferry, for a little while. Uh, moved up to RV wrenching, and then um, you know, like you said, you had fish, you had um, uh, Reed, you had uh, Dan Fahey, you had um, some different guys in there, and then you were crew chief for Eli for a couple of years. Which era of Cowie were you having the most fun in? Oh, man. That, I mean, it's all so different. I mean, when I started there, I was working for Burner. That's true. Right. Yeah. You know, which was fun. I mean, actually, I had a lot of fun. We Right away, we went over to Australia and raced. And, um, yep. I mean, two-stroke days, they were fun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I worked with a lot of good people there, and, and the times are just so different. You know, working with Burner, Tim, Timmy was fun. I mean, we, you know got him some great results and great finishes and obviously he's fun to work with and makes it easy so yeah, you were probably the second best mechanic he ever had you know? pretty sure we had the best supercross season he ever uh, he ever had yeah but not the best overall season pretty sure <laughs> yeah. okay still, still positive um yeah no it was good you guys were good um but like you know when you work for James and he had the perfect season like that's fun, but the reason I didn't mention that is I assume that was a lot of pressure, and because yeah, you're going for the perfect season, right? And so I didn't really bring that up as being a fun year for you. If no, you, if you I mean it was very I accomplished. Like, but, I mean, no, yeah. I mean I always liked James and got along with James good, and and we had fun racing. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the whole the whole <laughs> perfect season thing as a mechanic sucks because. Like, even when we wrapped up the title at Millville, mm-hmm. it wasn't even, like, a celebration because it was like, oh, is he going to go 24-0? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was like, dude, I got, like, a couple more bikes to build to try to make sure, you know, this <laughs> yeah. happens. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, well, you, I got big J- you got Big, big J watching over you like a hawk, too, to make sure it happens. So. Yeah. Like, Big James isn't easy either, even when James is winning. Little James no, is he's winning. He's awesome, dude. Yeah, he's, but he, he ain't he's easy to, to deal with. Um. So that's why I didn't bring that up. So what? So like, what era was your was the most fun? I, I, I dude, they're all so different. I okay. can't really pick them. I mean, obviously, winning is always fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's it's just different. Like it was fun working with Burner. It was fun working with Timmy. I mean, James was fun. I wish James would have stayed longer. But then there came RV, and I mean, RV. We had our ups and downs because of injuries, you know. But mm-hmm. he was fun. Um, a lot of pressure with RV. I mean, because he won so much, right? Yeah. I mean that that was every time you went to the line with him, you expected expected to be battling for the win. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Man. Okay. It was it, it was all fun. A lot of success for you for sure. Uh, it's uh, you know as a guy that won one national myself and uh and uh at summercross if we want to count that um i can't imagine what it's like you know like yourself and j-bone and, and goose and these guys that go to the podium all the time uh at different points it, it had to have been at some point you're like look this is just what we do and there's pressure you know i i, yeah. I had pressure a little bit as a mechanic and i felt it for sure but 
that's a different level when you're all the eyes are on you as a number one guy, you know? So it's, it's a lot. I mean, a tough one that I probably everybody forgets about was the, the championship with Langston. Yeah. I mean, we won, I think one moto. <laughs> we won one moto at Glen Helen and then that was it. You know, really? Just, yeah, I think so. Because I think, uh, Rhino got the overall that day or somebody, Mm-hmm. And I think I think we won one moto, but we were like podium like every race, but all summer long. And that thing came down to the end. And I think it was like seven points between him and Rhino. And then remember, we got rained out mm-hmm. for the last round. Mm-hmm. I so. I look back at so the James perfect season, not fun for the reasons we talked about. Plus, he was leaving. Right. He was mad about the Red Bull monster thing that was coming. So he was leaving. I was in the truck a lot that year. There's a lot of tension between Fish and James, right? Not not yeah. digging each other. So that yeah. couldn't have been fun. And then actually, you brought up a great point about GL, the title you won with GL in 2000 and um, three. three. Yeah. You, Brooks and Rhino were buddies. I, oh, think, yeah. I think Larry was Team Rhino. And you, 100%. right? And 100%. You, he's taking a front wheel off of guys' bikes who won't move over. Uh, and then you and GL are on an island. And, like, yeah, you got two teams within a team, so that can't be fun. Well, we did because you got to remember, like, Rhino ran FMF pipes, GL ran Doma pipes. Mm-hmm. You know, Rhino had um, Harry Nolte building his engines, and then we had uh, Dudley. Wait, you didn't have Harry doing the motors that, for GL? Har- Harry was no, <laughs> Harry was not doing GL. Oh, okay, Har- Harry was developing the motors for Rhino. And then Dudley yeah. had started there, and he was the other engine guy, which they didn't get along. So it was it was a hundred percent, yeah, two teams within a team, and um, yeah. you know, Rhino had some Yamaha carburetor that Larry had had from Chaparral, and there was only one of them, and dude, it, it was crazy. And yeah. I mean, you got to remember this. You know, KTM had never won in the U.S. before, as far as motocross and supercross, mm-hmm. and then we had two bikes in it. You know, yeah, for the championship, and, and like Woods and Boniface are all in the mix and having to pull over and not pull. Yeah, it was a whole thing. It, it was crazy. Um, so that again for you, like not that much fun. <laughs> well, and and to to add more to it was, I signed a contract with Kawasaki, like August first week of August. I met. Um, Norfolk and Mark Johnson out of town at a restaurant, okay. met him for the first time mm-hmm. and basically signed right there to go to work for Kawasaki the next year as James was winning every race. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause James had came back from his broken collarbone yeah. and started winning every moto. Yep. So yeah, it was, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a stressful summer. Right. And I like Brooks. He's a good dude. He's around now at HEP, but yeah, man, yeah. he was, he wanted Rhino to win and that was a little jacked up. So nah, it is. I mean, it's like what it was, right? Um, you know, yeah. So it's crazy to think of these situations you found yourself in, Mike, over the years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, when you look back, you're just like, how does that even happen? That's where I if, mean, if, like, if yeah. Go ahead. People on the outside don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, and then you go to work for Burner and Timmy, and it's like a secondary guy on the team, and you're getting some podiums, and that's a yeah. lot of fun. Like, hey, we're just having fun, man. We're just, there's no drama. Nobody's taking front wheels off. Nobody's, you know, no politics, none of that. Yeah. So there is, there is some of that uh, going on for sure. Um, Okay. So I asked you about the Cowie years. 
We can go to KTM. We can go to FMF Honda. We can go to NCY if you want. But, like, when did you have the most fun period in the sport? Like, what what do you look back on and think about as fun? You know what? I, I did have a lot of of uh, fun at KTM. I mean, you were there for Freddy Spaghetti, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had, we had a lot of fun right. with Ping and those guys. You weren't there in oh, 2000, right? You came in one. I came in 01. Yeah, so I was there in 2000, then you came in 01, right. And then, yeah, that that was a good year, right. You worked for Sellers. Yeah. I worked for Kelly Smith. And, yeah, we were all back east with GL and Ping and the Riders and got into a lot of trouble. Yeah. We did get into a lot of trouble. (laughs) Got thrown in jail. I mean, I I had a lot of fun. Um, I mean, obviously, I was younger and everything else, but uh, I had a lot of fun at KTM. You know, it's obviously changed huge since, since I was there. But, you, um, you and Heben got along great, uh, I think, right? Didn't you and Ron have a good yeah, relationship? I love, I love Heben, dude. He's heebie-jeebie. He's yeah. a good dude. Yeah, Slicer. I remember, um, speaking of Brooks, like at 01, I wasn't stoked with everything that was going on there. And so Brooks was going to hire me to work for Rhino on the Bud Light team. And I agreed to the contract, agreed to the number. It was literally double what I was making at KTM. And I told Slicer, hey, I'm out at the end of the year. Like, See you later. And then Rhino face planted himself as Steel City on that works Honda, the, the four stroke. And things changed on that team. Brooks couldn't give me the deal anymore, which really sucked. I went back to Ron <laughs> and I say, hey, Ron, man, my deal kind of fell apart. Like, can I stay here? And Ron was like, oh, no, no. You, <laughs> why would I do that? You, you wanted to leave. And I'm like, fair play, Ron. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I understand. Like, I got it, you know, but I was thinking Slicer. I could really use it. You could really throw me a bone right now, but no, nah, he wasn't doing that. Yeah. He he was, Slice was a good dude. I mean, yeah. I always, I always liked the managers that came from like, that weren't, he was a mechanic. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. I mean, he, he'll let you know that he, he created the first short silencer, the Slicer shorty, you know, <laughs> he's got stories for the, days. Hey, you know that, that number six he did for diamond. I don't know if I ever told you this, but. Uh, I built a Mickey Diamond replica in 88, YZ250, yep. and Slicer yep. had the original template for the sixes on his wall and sent it to me. Yes. He he cut it out by hand. Trust yes. me. We, we knew that story, too. Okay. Yeah. So he sent me the template. I made the number out of it and sent it back to him. How cool is that? Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool that Ron did that. Uh, were you – so – like I started at KTM in 2000 with Allen, and we were a factory team, quote unquote. But um, yeah, uh, it was a different time for KTM. When you got there in 01, were you a little bit, because you came from FMF Honda, were you a little bit like, what the hell is going on here? Um, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you got to remember that, that shop that we were working out of, right? No, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, we- it was, there was no, no benches, no cabinets. <laughs> um, I mean, we were like working on the floor. <laughs> yeah, do you remember the dyno was just in the corner of an empty warehouse? Wow, and like, it was so loud. Oh, yeah, dynoing in the shop where we're building bikes, um, <laughs> and everything was kind of like cheesy. Like we had those silver front fenders because we just did the Red Bull deal, mm-hmm. and like it was. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I it's cool looking back because you could see even in those three years or whatever how much it got better through the three years, and I mean people started taking it serious, KTM serious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine for you, you must've been like, Oh man. Like, yeah. What, 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 I mean, that's a pretty big risk to take to go to a team that had never even won. Oh, we won high point with Kelly Smith. 
Oh, you did? Yeah. Is that when you sure. had the little the tire machine behind the semi trying to <laughs> yes. penetrate the tires yep. and knobbies yep. were flying? Yeah, off? yeah, the, the tire tenderizer. Yeah, we yeah. had that. <laughs> Michelin loved that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were big on that. Um, you and Sellers, did you did you work for him at FMF Honda, or you just knew him from FMF Honda? No, I worked for Danny Smith. Okay. After, after you. Yes, yes, after, but I didn't know if Danny was gone by then. So, uh, you know what, Danny stayed till the end of FMF. Oh, he did. And then, uh, when Brock got the deal at KTM, he asked me to go over there with him. Ah, okay. I remember. So yeah, I've told this story before, but. Yeah, I got called in for FMF Honda halfway through 98 because a couple of mechanics hate each other and they got fired and they were fist fighting. And so they asked me, do you want to work for McCormick or Brock Sellards? Or sorry, Danny Smith. So, uh, Danny Smith or McCormick. And I was like, well, Danny Smith's a hot young amateur guy. And yeah, I'll, I'll work with Danny because McCormick's, you know, he's an like older privateer dude. Nothing wrong with Jason. But I was like, yeah, I'll work with Danny. And then him and I will be like Skip and Jeremy and we'll go and we'll rule the sport forever. And that was my thinking. And then like literally day two, Danny's like, my buddy Mike, I, I really want my buddy Mike to work for me. He couldn't do it this year, but he's going to do it next year. <laughs> like the first week, I got to say, of meeting Danny Smith. And I'm like, oh, cool. Great. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess next year, this Mike guy will work for you. <laughs> well, I, I had... When I was at Yamaha Trackside Support, I had helped him through his amateur career. Yeah. Doing Loretta's and Mammoth and, you know, all that stuff. So um, that's, a, you know, that's, he's the one that the first time I met Bradshaw. Oh, yeah. Through Danny. Right. Yeah. We went, yeah. Cause him and Danny were buddies. Yeah. We went out to dinner cause I'd go up to Eagle, Idaho. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And the dad, Danny's dad really liked you. I heard the name Mike a bunch. I didn't know who the hell you were. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm done. So uh, it didn't really work out anyways for me. I was one and done anyways there. But, yeah. Um, did you like FMF Honda? Did you did you enjoy that? I did, but, you know, uh, that was another, like, uh, the management was weird, right? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. we had Hilton, who I loved, still love Hilton to this day. And then didn't um, – who took over for like the oh we had Bobby Moore, um yeah Bobby Moore was there when I was there in ninety eight so I don't know if he was still there in no Bobby was still there and then Hilton came in and Bobby was kind of like the writer manager thing whatever yeah, yeah and then who was the other guy that was working at FMF that took over the last year um, mm, I don't Laporte. know Danny oh Laporte. Laporte yeah and Laporte he uh, yeah he wasn't I don't think he was management material <laughs> <laughs> love him yeah but, great uh, guy. He was, he was a little bit lost on, I think, he had we, the whole 909 thing going and we trying had, to do marketing. Uh, we, had, we had Bobby when I was there in 98. We had Bobby. We had Hilton. We had Tom Webb doing some stuff. We had Little D poking in and doing some weird stuff. We had um, yeah. uh, Hilton around. Like, it was just – it was a cluster, right? Just a cl- yeah. And Varner, Varndog was not happy with Honda. Didn't think Honda guys knew how to make a bike run. Oh, I know. So there was conflicts with Honda and Varner, and I was always like, why aren't we listening to Honda? But yeah. Varn, Varndog was not having that. So Yeah, when I was there, I remember Cliff White trying to teach him how to port cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> I I used to be like Varndog would be the king of like the biggest main you could run and he would be like put a one one eighty two in your bike and I'm like okay and then Mike Hooker who was working for Honda would come by the Honda the motor guy and be like what do you got in your bike and I'd be like one eighty two be like put a one seventy six in and I'm like okay but Varner said this and you it was just yeah it was a nightmare that way yeah. like the, the FMF day so um yeah it was interesting to see 
you know, kind of how they took a Honda program. You know, they wanted to be the next next pro circuit, but it was not going to do that. Yeah, it wasn't organized organized enough for that. I mean, I think the the money was there, but just uh, we we're missing a little bit on the leadership there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, right. Um, you, you still, you still talk to RV at all? How, how's that relationship? How I much? just talked to him a couple of weeks ago because okay. long story short, some random story, some dude bought a gun safe off of, off of, he's a sheriff and he bought a gun safe off of Facebook marketplace and the guy was giving it away and they had tried to get into it is in one of his old houses. It's still got guns in it. And the guy wants to give everything back to RV. So the guy called me, uh-huh. um, super nice guy. So. I told RV about it and he's like, dude, that's safe. How much did he get it for? And I go, well, he gave the guy a hundred bucks and he goes, that's like a $2,500 safe. And I'm like, you left it at the house. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's weird. I just talk to him and I, I see him every once in a while. He's, oh. he's unbelievable. I, I thought he would take his money and go in the woods in Washington. And we'd never see him again, but he's everywhere. He's everywhere. I, I just, I don't think he's, uh, I mean, I know he has the beard and all, but he, I don't think he's the, as outdoorsy as he, he claims, you know, he lives over in Corona Del Mar. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he did move up to Washington, but yep. I mean, yep. I think when you have the option to live by the beach or live in the rainy woods, yeah. it's he, a pretty easy decision. He got it as a three and a half million dollar home and just, of course he did. Yeah, just went through it. So he, he tells me, I have this. I built up a ninety YZ125 to ride for Racer X, and yes. we rode it at Glen Helen the other day. And I was going to get him to come out and ride it, and he he wanted to, and then he was like, "I can't do it this week." Like, sorry. And I'm like, "Okay, like when can you do it?" He's like, "Next Tuesday, Glen Helen." I'm like, "Okay, that works." So I put it off a week, lined it up for Tuesday. Monday, I text him, and I'm like, "Hey, man, we'll see you tomorrow or whatever for this for this ride day." He texts me. He texts me back a video of him. He's got he's got a ham a nail bag on, and he's building a garage. Like he's, no, and I'm he's like, not building. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I, I'm building, man. I can't. I can't. I'm like, okay, can you come out tomorrow? He's like, I can't let my buddy down. I told him I'd work for him. And I'm like, what What are you doing? Like, what? What? You know, it's just like one thing after another. I don't know if I'd trust that dude with a tape measure. <laughs> no, he's a rider, right? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he's he's a and, good one. and then he sent a then he sent a photo of uh, himself uh, with a nail gun, and I'm like, oh my god. Oh, that's yeah, sketchy. Yeah, no, that that's pretty pretty gnarly. Um, hey, Wygan and I were talking uh, a couple weeks ago about different things. And, you know, the dude won four Supercross titles in a row, and he won two 250s – sorry, two 450 outdoor titles, three 250 outdoor titles. And yet somehow I think he's underrated, we were talking about. Like we were – like, you know, we talk Eli, we talk James, we talk Ricky, you know, all the greats, right, McGrath and all that. And I still think he's somewhat underrated. As, as, as and I would never tell him that to his face because then he would agree and he would start rubbing his hands together, and you know all that. But like, yeah, the dude was money, wasn't he? Like, uh, I mean, I would have to. I mean, obviously Ricky was, you know, Ricky, but I, I'd have to put RV right behind him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think without, I don't think we do. I don't think we do as a sport, you know. Yeah, no, I think RV's win percentage was like over 50 percent or something like i think he honestly had like one of the highest win percentages like yeah. he he was winning a lot <laughs> yeah i mean if, if if he doesn't retire he just wins the next year again probably like, yeah no he he does and i mean the one year what we went out at Glen helen and and 
Oh, nine. Went, yeah. He, yeah, he won Glen Helen. I mean, just crushed him from way behind because it was caught, a terrible start. Caught and past Michael Essie, he'll tell you all the time, at yeah, Glen Helen. Yeah, it's very he happy. Was 28 seconds back when he got the second and ran him down, we know. But, I mean, that year he wins that outdoor title, right, if he doesn't yeah. blow his knee out? Yep. So, I mean, yeah, he's he was – he definitely – was one of the best. Yeah, I think I don't think we talk about him enough like that way. Like, you know, we just don't put him on that pantheon. But, yeah, dude, like, I always just think about, like, the different dudes that thought they, they, they had him covered, whether it was Chad, whether it was James, whether it was Dunge, right? Like, these different guys would come up, and there'd be he almost spanned two eras, right, a little bit. He came at the end of those guys and in the beginning of the next guys, and he just, yeah, just beat them all. A lot. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. he. I don't think he ever sweated any of those guys. The only guy that ever worried him was James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said. I that, mean, he said that before. Yeah. Oh no, you, I, I remember stories. He'd he'd watch James like do something in practice, and like he was like a fan. You know, <laughs> just like how does he do that? Like just. <laughs> Just insane, and then he goes out and beats him in the main. Yeah, yeah. all right. I remember coming into your truck a few times when James was fastest qualifier, and I'd be like, "He looks good, man. He looks good." And and then Ryan would clap his hands and be like, "Yes, he does." Oh no, he 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 was a fan. He was he was a fan of James. Yeah, which is crazy to think about because he's racing the dude right, and he's trying to beat him for titles and stuff. So, um, did it ever get did it ever get weird with James? Uh, when you work for RV and all that, like with you and James or like no, that was all good. So. Yeah. I mean, we probably didn't talk as much just because mm-hmm. I mean, James kind of private person anyway, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Yeah. but no, I mean, I always, big J was always cool and bookie and, mm-hmm. and, uh, no, they're, they're, those are good people right yeah. there. Yeah. So nothing really, uh, no. nothing really got weird because sometimes things yeah. can, you know? So no, because I don't think, I mean, there's a couple of races where, you know, they maybe got into each other or whatever, but it was never like we're coming down to Vegas and it's a, a points battle between them and it's getting gnarly. Like nothing like that mm-hmm. where someone's going to clean someone out. You know, yeah. it never got yeah. never got that close, I don't think. Mike Williamson here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast um, presented by Renthal Maxis, Cobolinks, and Motorsport.com. Do you – hey, is it funny? I don't know. Maybe this hasn't happened, but since you left the sport, have you run into people that are like – yeah, man, I love Supercross and I love James Stewart and Ryan Villapoto and like the, I grew up with the, like and they're and you just they don't even know who you are. Does I that mean, happen? I, I don't know. I don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like like no, but if if you're just talking to somebody in the UTV world, you know, and Supercross comes up. No, I mean, I there's a lot of people that still okay. They want they want to hear stories, but it's okay. Like, All know, right. <laughs> you know, I tell the stories so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd rather talk about like Anaheim one. You know what I mean? That's more like, yeah, I got a lot of buddies like, okay, who's your pick? And you already know who my pick is. I told you already. Did you? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Anaheim one Mookie. Oh yeah. You did say that. Yes. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I, I just have a feeling. He, I mean, obviously, you know, AC is my guy. Yeah. If I, if I could pick the win, I would pick AC, but I think Mookie's coming out hot. Uh, he, well, this shouldn't be a big surprise to you, but yeah, he um, he's flying uh, from pe- multiple people I've talked to, including one of his teammates. Is like the dude is on fire. So, well, I like how quiet he's been. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Alden. I, I I believe in Alden, and I think that we're gonna. He's coming out Anaheim one and and putting it to him. Really? Huh? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Sexton wins the title. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But. Um, 
It's yeah, in- most of them. It's interesting because there's there's you know Eli's older and coming off a major injury, and Jets a rookie, which rookies make mistakes. Sexton's on a brand new, way different bike. Um, you know, uh, there's 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 question marks for everybody, except for you know kind of guys like Mookie and Jason Anderson and those type of guys that are just running the same program. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think in the long run, you how do you Sexton is a beast, man. That, yeah, that it is. He's solid. Take away a couple of the front end washouts last year, mm-hmm. the dumb mistakes, and and he wins anyway, right? Like yeah, it's fastest qualifier, like fourteen yeah, times or something. Just, right? He's his style's good. He's yep. fit. I mean, there's no question about that. I just it's hard to go against him, and he's the champ, right? Like you gonna go against the champ? Uh, yeah, really, right? Um, good point. Have you been to the races? I haven't seen you. Have you actually been yeah. to any races? Okay. Yeah, but I just usually. Um, I usually just go to the suite with Jamie Foxx and Hilton and those guys. Oh, <laughs> oh just rolling in like that. Well, it's a lot easier, right? Yeah, well, Stay I mean, warm. I guess. Cold I'm, beer. I'm in the pits grinding away, man. You know. Can't... No, I came to the pits last year in Phoenix, I think. Oh, okay. And then, um, yeah, you know, I'll just cruise around a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, well, awesome, man. Uh, thanks for the time today on the podcast. I just want to catch up. I think my listeners, you know, they obviously remember you, and you had a ton of success, and I just thought it would be cool to – Update my listeners on what's going on with you. Get some thoughts, some stories, uh, and all of that, man. So I'm glad you're well. You know, we text here and there, so that, that's that's great. Um, wife and kids are all good too. So, uh, you know, we'll we should start a group text with me, you, and the big one five. Oh yeah, no, I'm, that would be I'm, great. Yeah, I try to make sure he stays busy. You know. Yeah, he's uh, he's a real piece of work, man. He's his his brain never stops working. Yeah, you think about all the things he's going to do or wants to do and then never does and then moves on to the next project you Dude, know do you look let, put it this way you you want to know how his brain works and i'm not i'm not making this up two days ago he texted me and asked me what offset triple clamps and races that james ran Dude, I'm not making this up. I could screenshot it yeah, and, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I, so then I'm like thinking like, okay. do I ask him like motocross or supercross or what year or what bike? What bike? What, what, yeah, Instead anything. of, yeah. I just sent him back. I sent him 22 back half with quarter races out and he never replied. <laughs> is he trying like, to work? Is he trying to get the triumph to, to turn better? <laughs> uh, hey, that's not announced yet, is it? Yeah, it's done. Yeah. I don't know if it's oh, announced, but we all sure. know. Yeah. Yeah, but no, um, I I don't I don't I don't know. I it was just a rant. I was like, do I call him and ask him why he's asking me? No, no, you don't. You don't. Um, like where where did that thought come from? Who knows? Yeah, God knows. I mean, he's got a Cowie, right? Cowie gives him a bike. Oh, you know what? But yeah. but it's not even the. Same. But it's not the same. He's, everything's changed. So, uh, yeah, who knows, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great. He's he's special. But so I don't know if you know this, but Matt Andruck, who uh is an active ride suspension guy from Florida, okay. he is yep. now HEP suspension guy, Roxon uses him exclusively, Correct. right? So yep. Timmy is now claiming Roxon's wins because he started using Matt way back in the day and kind of got Matt in the industry with Chiz and Ergo Hep and everything. So now Ferry is saying he's basically responsible for Kenny's wins. It's great. It's fantastic. I mean, he could be. Yeah, he no, could be. You know, it's it's it's. He could have taught Matt how how to tune. You know. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, maybe maybe, but 
Uh, he did text me uh, the other day and just said you were the greatest mechanic I ever had. So I don't know, Mike. You might want to. You might want to look into that. Yeah, I don't think he said that. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. Hey, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're well. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you at a race uh, in Southern California coming up, man. But th- yeah, thanks for the time, Mike. All right, Steve. Thanks, buddy. See ya. All right, that's Mike Williamson here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. I want to thank the folks at motorsport.com. Go through the banner on Pulpamex to make an order. That would really help us out. So go to pulpamex.com. You see the motorsport banner there. Click on that. Takes you to motorsport. Make an order. Help us out. Thank you. Great prices, great shipping. The number one online order place for motocross parts in the world. Yeah, I said that. Great return policy as well. Dedicated team of gearheads there to help you out. OEM parts and aftermarket parts, they've got it all at motorsport.com. And thank you to the folks at Koba Links as well, lowering suspension link on everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. And, yeah, they've got a lot of great things going on there. So if you have a wife, girlfriend, if you're shorter of stature, Aprilia to Yamaha, play bikes, dirt bikes, all of it, lowering suspension links, uh, Koba Links, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. Use the code PulpMX for free shipping and a discount. All right. And, again, Renthal, Maxis, all on board with us. And, of course, the folks at Fly Racing. Hey, they made some changes to their gear for 2024. They moved the BOA uh, lever a little bit easier. They've uh, uh, changed their closure system a little bit on a couple of pans. They've changed some panels on the stretchy kinetic stuff. They've made big changes, and they got the Formula S as well. Please check it out, flyracing.com. That Formula S helmet can save your life. I'm serious. It's really cool. comes with a cool app. It's really neat. Check it out. Fly is trying to make you safer. So thanks to the folks at Fly Racing. And uh, all right, it's a 2-4, like I promised. Next up, Simon Cudby. Away we go. All right, next up here on the Fly Racing Race Rex podcast, a gentleman that uh, is nice to see back at some races in the last uh, year or so, more so than he'd been at in the previous few years. He's back in Southern California. A uh, good friend of mine for a long time, maybe the best photographer in the sport, Simon Cudby. What's up, Simon? How are you, man? Yeah, hey, Steve. Good evening. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be back. I think we, we talked just now on the on the phone before this about the last time i did your uh podcast it was been about 10 years ago yeah so people want to know i did a deep dive with you 2014 just search mathis could be it'll come up and we kind of talk about your roots uh back in england how you got involved with the sport jim hale uh you know all of that sort of rise to to being you know like what i said one of the best photographers in the sport and so, yeah, people catch up on that. This one's not going to be that. This will be more of a catch up with you on nowadays. But, um, yeah, it's fun to to chat with you again. And, you know, I think you got to a point, um, 2016, 2017, where, you know, I think you're like a lot of people and myself included right now, where the traveling got to you, the workload got to you, uh, it all kind of accumulated in you getting burned out, finding some subcontractors to shoot some photos. You know, you still kept your finger on the pulse of what was going on. You moved to Boise at one point. You got into adventure touring. Um, yeah, it just kind of led to, to a burnout. And I guess, are you back from that? Are you better than what you were? And Are you in a better spot? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm much better. I. Uh, it's been a, you know, if I think back to 10 years ago, like you say, when we first, when we talked on the last podcast mm-hmm. we did together, a lot of stuff's happened in 10 years. So basically in 2013, uh, or the end of 2012, I had talked to uh, Christy LeCurel at KTM and said, hey, do you, you know, do you need race photos? Because mm-hmm. I was sort of going to 
out of the races possibly at that at that point and she said yeah you're going to go to every race right and I was like uh, okay yep I'm going so all of a sudden <laughs> I was going to every race and it actually worked out well for Racer X because now I was there at every race and you know they were like hey you can we don't mind if you shoot for other people so all of a sudden I was shooting for Racer X and KTM and then I started asking some other people if I could shoot for them too and everyone was like yeah yeah so all of a sudden I had a lot of clients and it's it's one of those things like uh you know be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. right so I had I had a lot of work and I was doing I was doing well you know and everything was good and then you know at the same time social media was really ramping up and I was starting to send images immediately from the track yeah. um to Racer X to KTM to you know Renthal to all these other brands I was shooting for and as that that be- kind of became the focus so it sort of went away from like hey I'm going to go to this race and try and shoot some creative photos and cover the event now it became like I got to get this I got to get this I got to get this and send it immediately and yep. um you know after 4 years of doing that you know like 120 races in a row basically and mm-hmm. flying every weekend and coming back and then you know you you you're kind of on dead back in the day you were on deadline at the end of the race right or on monday morning but now you were kind of on deadline all day cuz everyone was asking for photos throughout the day and mm-hmm. um at the time it was kind of weird because you sort of had agreements with some companies to shoot shoot the race for them and then as the social media thing grew they required that throughout the day too and at the time nobody really wanted to compensate you more for that even though you were busting your ass to get that stuff done you know every mm-hmm. every hour of the day for a, for a 14 hour work day you know so uh yeah so the, yeah I did get burned out doing that and uh you know I kept I kept my my uh my hand in the game a little bit you mm-hmm. know I I teamed up with Rich Shepherd and Rich was shooting a lot of the races and you know I'd come to some and help Rich out and then then as the years that, you know, as the years got to like 2019, 2020, Rich was like, hey, I need help too. And uh, at, this, at that time, we had become friends with Mike Emery. And, uh, you know, Mike Emery is a great photographer, as is Rich. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, Mike started Align Media. And at that time, you know, going back a couple of years, 2017, I had started an adventure bike magazine. And in 2019, I moved to Idaho because I was... Uh, told that that's where we needed to be to make this thing grow you know and, okay uh, just like better riding and better scenery and all that stuff yeah, yeah. but it turns out uh i mean we had we, my wife and i had fun in idaho and our daughter lives there and she works at wps actually she you know she knows gt and all those mm-hmm. those guys at wps and um so it was nice you know to actually live in the same town as our daughter um yep for for a few years but this summer we uh headed back to california um you know, my, my other deal at, at the Adventure Mike magazine that I started, that went sideways. And yeah, what, you want to get into that or Upshift, the, the the parting of Upshift and you or no? Can we just... Uh, probably should skip that. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Um, did you, did you like, so, but I want to get into this a little bit, like, and I know that that segment has grown, like, you know, all these bikes, these the, the Yamaha guys got the Tenero or Teneru and... The Honda bike, the Tenere, Tenere, yeah, that, that <laughs> one. Tenere. Either one that one, either all three of them, um, <laughs> and and then and Hondas sell out every year. I was told to. Did how did you get into that? Like passionately, like what got you into that? Because I didn't look at a dude from England that shoots moto photography 
loving adventure touring, just in general, what made you, what, what got you the bug for that? Yeah. Um, like I, I always, I left England when I was 18, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to work in the Caribbean and I went to the Mediterranean and I went to Brazil and I, I traveled a lot and really, really sort of had that sort of, you know, that wanderlust, they call it, you know, yeah, where you yeah. want to go see all these other places. And I was like going to other places when I was going to the races, but I wasn't seeing any of them because I was either right. on a plane or in a rental car or at a stadium, you know, so... uh and I had watched that uh, Long Way Round show with uh, Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor where they yep. traveled around the world on BMWs, adventure yeah. bikes. And yep. it was just, I don't know, something something uh, clicked. And I was like, that that's super cool. And at the time, I honestly, you know, felt like I was locked into doing the races and sure. I didn't really have a way out, you know. Like I was, hey, I'm doing good. It's great. But it's just... It was just unsustainable at a certain point, you know. Um, and I'd seen this and I was like, man, adventure bike is cool. And I actually, uh, a good friend of mine, Chris Modell from England, my wife, my parents live in England and my sister, and we went on a trip to England. And Chris met us at, at some hotel we stayed at, and he rolled up on this BMW adventure bike. And I was looking at this thing, and I was like, man, this thing's super cool you know mm-hmm. and he he ended up actually coming over to the states and we did a trip to uh to baja one year and we had a we had a great time and i i just feel like um i'd been around sort of the competitive side of motorcycling for a long time yeah. you know shooting supercross and motocross since 96 and i you sort of don't realize when you're locked into the um the the uh traveling program circus circus, circus yeah. yeah circus if you want to call it that <laughs> and you're in the, and you're in the traveling circus you don't realize there's other motorcycling stuff out there and um so you know i got to i started to travel a lot and shoot shoot images because i used to shoot a lot of landscape stuff before i even rode a motocross bike or anything you know yeah, yeah. um growing up as a kid in england we we didn't have money for motorcycles and stuff you know so uh my first i got my first bike a pro circuit 125 when i was 29 years old i think you know yeah, yeah. so i started off pretty late but uh yeah i mean traveling around uh, i kind of i kind of caught the bug and i i had this sort of thing like this is my this is my way out where i can still be involved in the industry but not have to grind myself into the ground every weekend yeah um d- doing the stuff and i don't want to sound like it was bad for me i mean i had an amazing time going to all the races and you know there's a lot of people like like your your relationship to me and my relationship to you, I have that same relationship with a lot of people that I met at the races and mm-hmm. mechanics and team managers and yeah. riders especially, you know. And, you know, I've a, I had an amazing time going to the races, but I just, like I say, I, I, yeah. I saw everything I saw in front of me, I reached out and grabbed it. And, you know, that probably wasn't the smartest thing <laughs> because then it became – you just can't keep doing it over and over, you know. Yeah, you yeah, you're burning the keep... candle on both ends, yeah. kind of, right? And um, sideways, yeah. Yeah, and sideways. So, so uh, the adventure touring things, like, what, you just, like, the time in the saddle, just the, the peacefulness of it, the scenery, all, I mean, you went all over the world um, for this stuff. Was it, did, you, did you give you a better appreciation of, like, slowing things down and seeing things on the seat of a motorcycle and just, like, taking it all in and, and maybe... Because, I mean, you know, the races are just go, 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 go. Even the very essence of motocross and supercross is go, go, go. Uh, yeah. You know, kill or be killed, aggressiveness, all of that stuff. And you 
you almost went the different way. Yeah, it's it's it is you know that that aggress aggression and 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 I'm gonna win, you're gonna lose mm-hmm. kind of mentality. Kind of, I got to a point where I was just sort of didn't really want to. That, <laughs> well, that even, wasn't healthy hey, for hey, me, you know, because well, I that even extends it, into you know photographers and and yeah, exactly. business and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some some stuff went down with some other guys, and I was like, you know what. You know, there's some shady, there's some shady guys out there, and <laughs> I don't, I don't like getting lied to by people. And, yeah. Um, you know, the sort of that I, I hadn't really, because because I was sort of doing my own thing, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, I set up my own business and I did my own thing, and I, my relationship with other with brands and companies was based on myself and what I could deliver. You know, mm-hmm. it, it seems like every time I've worked with other people, um, I. Uh, got burned you know so yeah um, apart, apart from with rich shepherd and mike emery those guys are right. those guys are fantastic you know yeah. um and you know working for racer x you know meeting meeting eric johnson and davy coombs that was a turning point for me in 1999 you know and we probably touched on that on the last podcast but you know that I, I wouldn't be where i am today if it wasn't for for davy and eric no absolutely not I, I think i'm the same way with davy right um yeah he uh he gave me well he wouldn't give me my first job. Racerex Canada had to hire me first, but then he gave I me the next that, job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then he gave me the next job. Um, yeah. So the the touring thing really just almost. Um, well, you know, the, there's the book right, Motor Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, right? Um, yeah. And then you you, re, you I, I watched the Ewan McGregor doc where he goes through South America, and there is a Zen chill um, bit about seeing the world on the, on a motorcycle you know oh um, yeah you yeah you, well i didn't maybe i didn't finish that that last that last question was you know like the peacefulness and yeah the scenery and i actually posted something on my instagram this week like hey we went from the mountains to the ocean and we saw some amazing stuff and there wasn't even a motorcycle in it but it was just this <laughs> mountainscape and then down by the ocean sunset with you know the the fog rolling in kind of thing you know you you see a lot of stuff and also, you know, when you're riding, you, you, you're out in all the elements, right? So you've got like, you feel the temperature, you know, if it goes from 70 degrees down yeah. to 65, you feel it, you know, and, and you definitely feel it. Like we went to Iceland and it was 28 degrees one day. Yeah. <laughs> I had like, I had like six layers of jackets <laughs> and sweatshirts and, you know, everything yeah. on, but, and also the smells, you know, you're riding through a town and, and you, you know, you smell the ocean or you smell just trees or you know mm-hmm. or you smell the rain you know when when the rain hits the asphalt you know it's uh it's just sort of you're out there and i i sort of really enjoy that you know yeah i bet what following you over the years and reading some upshift stuff and all of that we went we went e-biking one time up in boise and got into a little bit too uh it seems awesome it seems really good and i think you know i'm i'm still on the circus and still going but um yeah you do you do kind of realize there's more to it than you know, I sort of found e-bicycling as a as a venue to really get me away from the circus. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, that's yeah, a similar feel. Yeah, it's a similar feel to, you know, and when we ride our adventure bikes or dual sports, we you know it's we we like to do rides that are sort of ten percent asphalt and ninety percent dirt. So mm-hmm. there's there's even you know there's there's even less people out where we, where we go and ride. You know, yeah. and uh, well, yeah, I've been really lucky with that stuff. So the upshift went sideways, and what what are you doing now? You're working with with A stars and other people. Yeah. So um, when when that other deal 
uh, ended for me. I picked up the phone and called some people and uh, one of them was Heath Coffran at Alpine Stars mm-hmm. and um, I'd known Heath over the years and obviously seen him at the races and that kind of stuff and at some Alpine Stars events. And I told him like, hey, you know, I've changed direction a little bit. I'm not there anymore, but I, you know, I'm around. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, you, you have to meet with Gabriel at Alpine Stars and, you know, who's, who's the owner of, of the company. Mm-hmm. And I apparently... You must I have known him before, out. right? You, you had yeah, to know seen, right? Yeah. yeah, I'd seen him at the races and, um, you know, he, he is good friends with Eric Johnson and Davey. So I kind of like was in with that, you know, I'd see him and mm-hmm. because I was sort of with those guys, I was, you know, accepted and that, that kind of stuff. But um, he loves to ride mountain bikes, uh, not mountain bikes, adventure bikes. Yep. He loves to ride adventure bikes. And so he connected me with, with, with Gabriel and we came up with a program where I Go and go and sh- ride and shoot and um, provide content for them for their website or, uh, or social media stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And it's kind of like similar to when I was at Racer X. Davey was like, "Hey, yeah, we don't mind if you shoot for other people." So that's kind of what's happened with the Alpine Stars deal. Is I've got some other brands that we shoot for as well, and mm-hmm. uh, Alpine Stars is stoked because there'll be a giant loot bag ad in cycle news and it's got the guys wearing alpine star stuff so it's sort of you know it's back in the day it used to be kind of like we're paying for the photo shoot and these pictures are ours i'm not saying that's alpine stars i'm just yeah, saying just general, in general that, right that, in yep. general right but now it's like hey yeah we, we want to see our stuff in other people's ads you know so yeah. um and yeah it's worked out gabrielle well. and a stars they're such a cool company like they get it yeah. they're, they've always been cool they yeah, I just they're they're a cool company, man. They they get yeah, it, right? It, yeah, it's it's neat cuz I, I really love Formula 1, right? And you'll mm-hmm. be watching watching the in-car stuff of like Fernando Alonso and he's got his hands on the steering wheel and there's a little A-star logo there yeah. and you're like, "Man, that that's cool. I were, I I know those guys, you know." So, <laughs> yeah. so I feel I got a tour of the a factory in Venice one year and uh outside of Venice and it's phenomenal. Yeah. Just phenomenal the things that they're doing and the science they're putting into it and you know, they got that jacket that blows up, you know, for protection yeah. and, and all of that. Um, so did the move to Calif- back to Southern California, did it, was it necessitate, necessitated because of the Alpine Star thing? Or were you going back anyways because the upshift thing went sideways? Or like, what was the reason for the move back? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we, our, our family's down here, or my wife's family, mm-hmm. my, my parents and my sister and that, they're, they're in England, but... Um, you know, my wife's family's in yep. Southern California and uh, sort of this time last year, so sort of the end of November, December 2022, so sort of between October and February of, of, of sort of last Christmas time, I was in California for, man, like, like 21, 22 weeks in a row. Not in a, well, not in a row, but over that sort of four-month period. You oh, know? okay. So, yep. And I, so... And we were staying at my in-laws' house, which is great, and we really appreciate that. But, but, <laughs> but you know, you got we still had a we still had a house here because my wife, when we left four or five years ago, she was like, "Hey, let's just keep our house here just in case." And you know, and I was like, "No, let's sell it and we'll get a big house in Idaho." And I'm so glad we didn't sell a house, you know, because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, good yeah. job, wife. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I yeah. I, I always tell people that because I, I owe, owe her everything. You know. So I you were renting it while you were gone. You were renting. Yeah. It? So yeah. we rented it, and yep. then uh, we sort of came to. And plus, you know, we love it. We loved it in Idaho, but there's no denying how 
tough the weather is in the winter. Yeah. And it's not just like, well, buy a snow bike or a snowmobile, you'll have fun. It's like there's noth- nothing for me to do there as far as my photography business, mm-hmm. right? So everything was down here. So, you know, I was flying down here and back all the time. So if you came down here for a two-day photo shoot, all of a sudden it's a four-day trip because you've got to fly down the first day, shoot for two days, and then yep. fly home on day four. So, you know, all of a sudden that's a whole week, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we just decided it was time and, um, you know, we'll just uh, – mm-hmm. being back here has been really good. I mean, it's raining this week here, but yeah, it's, it's still 65 degrees instead yeah. of no, 25 J- degrees. JT will yeah. put on our group text, you know, uh, going to work at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m., whenever he was going to work, and it just looks like Canada to me when I grew up, just yeah. snowpocalypse, you know. and <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's a tough, tough deal there. It is nice in the summer, though, that's for sure. And, yeah, you yeah. Know, all but it was that. still hot there, though, you know. It was, it was you know, we got it'd get up to 104, 105, and, mm-hmm. and then in the winter it's – you know, I think the coldest I saw there was minus four, which, yeah. which isn't probably Canadian cold, but it's, it's freaking cold. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. You know, but I had, you know, I made some really good friends up there. And one guy I want to give a big shout out to is my friend Scott Lanafield, who um, was a local rider that we'd met in Baja. And when I moved up there, he became sort of my riding buddy and introduced me to a bunch of other guys that go ride. And mm-hmm. then also my friend Jason Abbott up there who – was a California guy and he's moved up there with his family and he's doing great. And we got to ride together a bunch when, when I lived up there and, you know, those guys have an open invitation and when they mm-hmm. come back to California, we can go ride. I've got bikes, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I told you before the show as well, my friend, Scott Lanafield, who he'd always talk about the Pulp MX show because <laughs> he, listen, he listens to you religiously. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. No, that's it's cool. cool. Yeah, for sure. I, I had to laugh because, um, was that last year with the over under bridge in Tomac, or was it the year before? It was last year. Um, uh, yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah, I had to well, laugh because twenty three, right? Yeah, I had to laugh because you. I mean, you go to more than just the one race, but you came to Anaheim one, and Tomac has a big crash over the under bridge. He's got his hand out. No one gets it that I saw, and you got it, and it was perfect, and it was on the cover, and I was ragging on uh, the other guys. I'm like, the guy shows up for one race and gets a photo that no one else can get. Like, uh, I don't know, like, who knows, right? Like, why you were there at that moment or what was going on. But it was an epic photo, uh, and it made the cover, and it was another reason why you're like, fucking Cudby, Simon. <laughs> so, yeah, you still got it, buddy. Well, you still got a, it. I have a theory about that. Okay. You know, what, what we were talking about a bit earlier, too, was, you know, the fact that I was, you know, the the creativity I feel like a little bit for me anyway was mm-hmm. taken out of it yep. because I got to deliver I got to I got to get these photos I got to get and maybe I wouldn't have gone up on that little slope by the by the uh, under the Anaheim uh, the screen the big screen there yeah. where I went I probably wouldn't have gone there if I was shooting for myself and had to crank out all this stuff yeah and, you know I went up there I'm like oh this looks kind of cool and a couple guys went over it and then. I was just framed up, and he, yeah. Eli did that right in front of me, and I was like, oh, yeah. I think I got that. And yeah. So it was like a six- or eight-frame sequence, and uh, actually Eli's mom, uh, Kathy, hit me up, and I gave her the images and she because Eli wanted to get some prints made for his office. So, uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it was a great was photo, cool. and, I, and I love the fact that you were just showing everybody what was up. You know, just, hey, huh. don't forget, anybody, don't forget. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is – it's – 
so do you think you'll be at some more races than usual? Um, you think you'll be yeah, back I mean, on the scene a little more? Well, you know, I, I made an agreement with, with Mike Emery. Mm-hmm. That, um, my, I kind of handed Mike all of these accounts and said, here, because I'm like doing something else now, right? Yeah. But I yeah. don't want – so I told – we sort of made, made an agreement. I'm like, hey, if you ever need help, just let me know. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, if Mike wants me to come shoot some races, I'll go shoot some races. But, you know, I am – now that I'm back down here in the industry – you know, I did the team shoots for KTM and Husky mm-hmm. and Gas Gas and uh, all the all the uh, KTM group off road guys as well. That was really cool. So I was super busy the last few weeks, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting to shoot with you know guys like uh, Justin Barsha. That you know, he's 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 been racing. I, I found some Geico photos from 2011 or something that I shot him shot yeah. him at. You know, and so you get to you know seeing these guys again. It's, it's it's actually really nice, and you know when you don't see him for a little bit, and then you see him at a team shoot, it's like, hey, what's up? You know, so it's kind of cool to yeah sort of get back in there, and you know, I uh, I shot with Honda, I've shot with Honda over the years as well, and um, I I didn't do it this year because they actually shot it in Florida at the same time that I'd already committed to someone else here, so I couldn't shoot that one, which was kind of a bummer, but that's that's how it goes, and you know, I'm good friends with Lars and those guys, right. but you know, a big I, I I owe a lot to um, KTM Group as well, John Hines and his whole team, and you know they've always had my back. And yeah. Stephanie Nutt has always been there for me, and Sean Murphy, you know, at the, from from Husqvarna. You know, those guys have been have been great. And at the team shoots we do, we've got a system going, and it works well. And um, yeah, we just I went to Florida for Husky this year, and that was that was super cool. You know, it was a sort of stormy rain clouds and. The rain was coming in and out, so uh, oh, yeah. you know we sort of shot in the morning. And it started raining, so we had lunch, and those guys had sort of a ping pong tournament. But which, by the way, Nathan Ramsey is really good. So yeah, just okay, head, good, good to know. Yeah, if he tries to hustle <laughs> yeah. me, I'll, I'll remember. Yeah, yeah. you'll know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this <laughs> and, could be a dumb question. I don't even know because I don't know anything about taking photos, right? Um, one time right. I got a vest. <laughs> no, I don't. But I got a vest one time, and I had a, a, a Canon Rebel, and I used to put it on the Running Man. Uh, segment running man's uh, setting and then take photos that's about all i know but um (laughs) like being away from supercross and motocross and just doing one race a year two races a year whatever you've been doing um then you jump back into it like do you is it a different skill that you had forgotten is it muscle memory and you pick it pick it right back up and i don't even mean like camera settings i just mean kind of knowing what to do and the lighting and everything or like I said, you've been doing it for so damn long, you knew exactly, kind of picked it up, no problem. Yeah, um, I think... I, I, Not I a mean, dumb I question. Like Is I it pick- a dumb question? I don't know. No, it's not. Okay. No, I feel no. like I picked it up, no problem, but, uh, you know, equipment changes a little bit. So, you know, when I was shooting the races, I was shooting like Nikon D5 cameras and, you know, the big 300-millimeter lens, which is sort of the go-to lens. And mm-hmm. uh, when I started traveling and shooting this adventure stuff, obviously, well, not obviously, but realistically you can't carry that stuff because it's so it's so yeah. bloody heavy you right. know and i actually when i did shoot those tomac photos we we're just talking about that camera shooting with that camera i was like oh my god i can't believe i used to carry this and another camera around for the whole day you know because mm-hmm. now i've been shooting with these canon mirrorless cameras that are smaller and lighter and because i have i am bringing a couple bodies and three or four lenses on these trips with me and i'm carrying everything on on my back in a backpack because mm-hmm. 
because of the vibration of the bike, you don't want to just stick it in a Pelican case on the back of your bike, right? Yeah, okay. So you have to carry it. So size and weight becomes a becomes a premium then. But yeah, I mean, shooting shooting the team shoots and stuff. I mean, I feel like I still got it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's something that goes away. Like you shot so much, yeah. many, so many races, but you know, it's hectic. And I, do, and, yeah. I do feel like too that. And I think about this stuff too is, you know, that, and that's what happened when I used to go to the races. I feel like my stuff all looks the same because it is the same. It's a guy on a bike and he's doing something and you've got to light it and shoot it. And mm -hmm. There's only, you know, you can't all of a sudden go, oh, I'm going to stand over here instead because I know from experience that standing over there, it's just not going to look very good. So I don't waste my time, you know, yeah. because um, so, yeah, it's, there's a, there's this kind of a formula for the team shoots and, then going to the races, I always try and shoot stuff where the guy's actually doing something, you know. Um, mm -hmm. He's come, coming out of a turn and roosting or scrubbing over something or getting sideways over the finish line jump. I feel like the riders, most of the photos I've shot that I feel like are my best photos, the actual rider is doing something a bit unusual, you know. Sure, um, yeah. Leg is out, his leg is yeah. out or he's sideways or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, uh, yeah I so, get that, yeah. Uh, Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast with Simon Cudby. Uh, on the on the show presented by the folks at Maxis Renthal Cobalinks and uh, Motorsport.com, of course. Uh, oh, Cobalinks! Yeah, Cobalinks is on board. Yeah, Charlie Cobra. He's my neighbor up in Idaho. Oh, he is. Oh, he's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we used to go ride. Uh, those guys are awesome. They, yeah. Uh, and they rip on 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 single track trails too. Like you're like, oh yeah, I can ride, and you go ride with those guys. <laughs> no, you're, like, you're. Oh yeah. You're you're riding at the back. <laughs> yeah, Austin. Austin is uh, a good guy, really good dude, yeah. and uh, I'm glad they're doing well for sure. Yeah, um, it's good. Hey, so um, getting back to sort of shooting the races now and kind of the the changes in the industry and everything, and you know, by I talked to James Lissamore quite a bit, a buddy of mine, right? You know him well, yeah, and I know um, James, yeah, like he he's a little like you. He's probably more emo, more artsy than you. He's you know, um, really, really loves photos and really loves the art of it and really loves the the setting of it up and everything else where I feel like you're, a, you're maybe not as emotional as him, but you are a perfectionist in your craft. It's, it's tough now for you guys because, like, we are in a social media age and the cameras on these phones are so damn good and no one looks at Instagram as like, that's a great photo. You know, you need a magazine, you need a two-page spread, you need a poster, you need a cover to really show a photographer's skill as opposed to a small little photo on Instagram. It's like you guys, you great photographers, you guys are a bit of an endangered species, especially print going away more and more. It's got to bum you out a little bit, huh? Uh, yeah, man, I think I'm going to quit now. It's over. It's no, over. But you know what I mean? Like, it sucks. Like, it sucks now because, yeah, like, I mean, I sometimes if I don't have a photo for Instagram uh, for promoting something that I did, I will, on my phone, Google RacerX, find a photo of RacerX because I, I can use those photos, screenshot it, yeah. and put it on there, on, and it just looks fine, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like, you know, what is Instagram? Like two inches square? I don't know what it is, but yeah, it, it, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, again, like going back to when I was going to the races and I like fr basically fried myself, cooked myself, right, you know. Right. Um, I feel like part of that too was, you know, you're, you're, you're destroying yourself on a Saturday. I mean, I was like smoked on a Sunday and oh, you're flying sure, back yeah. from, flying back from New Jersey or something and, Anyway, 
and you look at, you know, by Monday, Monday morning or Tuesday morning, after all the stuff's been on the website and that, it's sort of back gone, gone in the distance behind you already, you know. So you've shot all this, all this work that you're, like, really proud of, yep. but 98% of it never gets seen, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that, that's, that's kind of sad, but um, or even but like people, the way it is. People just know? grabbing a photo that they don't really have rights to and companies even putting a yeah. photo on social that they don't pay for that they don't own you know yeah especially when so that was a grind too when you know you're like i say you're killing yourself on a mm-hmm. saturday i mean you get to the track at eight in the morning and you get back to your hotel room at 1 a.m the next you know sunday morning and then you get up at four forty-five to go to the airport you know and yeah and, um and then somebody just said oh i'm gonna use this and they didn't <laughs> You know, you're like, and, and it's insulting too to the companies that do pay you to be there and do support you. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah I have a, I have a problem with that. Yeah, um, and, and and it's another reason, you know, back in the day that you're like, WTF? Am I doing this? You know, yeah. like it's, uh, yeah, it's tough for for guys like you and, and you know fans on this and the equipment they can buy and fans from the stands are shooting stuff that's pretty damn good and yeah. you know, listen, it's hard. Like, like still though, I do get people say, hey, how do I? You know, what do I need to? What camera are you shooting with? And, you know, if you want to get a real camera, it's a significant investment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're spending – the cameras are less expensive now than they were. I mean, the first digital camera I got in 2003, I think it was, was a Canon 1DS, and it was $8,000 just oh, for the body. Geez, really, huh? Yeah, wow. and then you're using a $5,000 lens. So that's just one setup. So that's 13000 And then, you know, you're carrying, out, carrying around another body and another mm-hmm. lens that may be – you know, so all you know, you're carrying around twenty grand's worth of stuff. So, but you need that stuff to get to get the quality. I mean, it's it's the the kind of sensors in the cameras and the yeah. speed of the lenses and the durability too, because your stuff gets gets pretty hammered at the races. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, you you gotta you gotta invest a lot of money to to get the right stuff. You can't like I wouldn't go to a team shoot without the best gear. You know, mm-hmm. um, you just because then you, you're, cause you're dealing with, you know, Chase Sexton and Justin Barsha and Aaron Plessinger and, you know, those guys, those guys are uh, the real deal athletes, right? So you've got to deliver the stuff. You can't mm-hmm. just – and that's why, too, at the te- team shoots, I'm like, okay, well, let's do this because I kind of know what works. You know, it's not – I'm not experimenting because – Yeah, you're not like, hey, guys. No, no, uh, yeah. Nobody's got time, yeah. <laughs> Especially the riders at that level. They got, they got yeah. no time for – Hitting a berm fourteen for fourteen hours, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. I've been I've been pretty lucky with with the guy, you know, all the guys I've shot photos with over the years, and yep. everyone's patient, but at the same time, respectful of their time as well, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. So we might see you back at the races a little more than we're used to. That that yeah, that'll be good. possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, we'll uh, uh, getting back to the adventure touring thing, what yeah. has been the coolest? ride you went on and what's one that's still uh you're trying to do and you're going to hit gabrielle up and try to get there yeah we've been lucky like uh, we've connected with some guys there's this guy called schoolie who has this adventure adventure touring company in Mm -hmm. iceland and it's not strictly big adventure bikes i mean he has like husky 701s and gas gas 700s and he he's also trying to scale it down a bit in size so they have ktm 450s and uh, uh, Husky 450s and even some 350s and you know ripping around Iceland's pretty good and he knows all the good spots so mm-hmm. you're riding across the top of a waterfall or you know going across this 
riding around through this lava field to get somewhere. I mean, we went actually this summer and we were on this black sand giant lake bed and it's way off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. We were way out there and one of my buddies broke his collarbone and they had a support chase Jeep and he had to, they had to come get him and, you know, it's, yeah. so that, that has always been good and we actually, one of the highlights too, we went to ride with the uh, the Dakar racers, uh, Luciano, Luciano and Kevin Benavides okay. in Argentina. And uh, we've we've become really good friends with uh, my friend Pato Morelli, who's down there, and he sort of facilitated that trip. And we showed up and we we're riding around with 30 Argentinian guys through the desert. And it's just, it's just fun, you know, it's, it was really good. And, but as, as far as like, a bucket list place I want mm-hmm. to go ride. Um, well, we actually we did New Zealand as well this this year with uh, Chris Birch and uh, my my good friend Liam Ellis and and his friend Charlie Brown. Not not that Charlie. Oh, Brown. not Charlie. Okay, all right, good, good. Different know. one, not the <laughs> not the cartoon one. Uh, but anyway, no, he uh, you know that, those guys are awesome and and New Zealand was huge. I mean, we we went down to the KTM Rider Rally down there, but we rode five days down to get to that. So we were on our bikes for 10 days and I'm carrying this giant backpack with cameras and stuff. Yeah. One day it was like sideways rain and the river's the ri- got to get across this river and it's ri- the river's rising because the rain's up the mountain a bit and it's coming down and we, you know, it's sort of like, okay, <laughs> so, so get on with it. And, um, yeah, they, I, right. we, we've seen a lot of, a lot of things, but as far yeah. as like somewhere I want to go, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I, yeah. I I don't really have one place where I'm like, I got to go there. I'd like to go to Egypt, but whether you get there and it just looks like the California desert with some pyramids, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my, in, my, in my good point. It might look like that. You have an Instagram. I think it was Thailand on that little narrow passage, passage on the oh, side of a India. mountain. What, India? India. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that Dude, was. I'm out. That was, I'm so out on that. Could be. There's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. So that trip, like we flew. So the guy, Chris, I was talking about, English mm-hmm. Chris. Yeah. Uh, the BMW guy? I flew, yep. Yep, I flew to uh, New Delhi and Chris met me there. And then we got on a plane together and flew to Srinagar, which is up in the Kashmir region up north of India, which is like pretty much a militarized zone. I mean, we, we're, it's like flying into Orange County Airport, right, for Supercross. But all the buildings are painted with camouflage paint. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what? Jeez, like, I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, and there's guys with machine guns everywhere and i'm just like oh but then sort of you get out into the middle of nowhere and i had seen that road on um on tv somewhere i'm like okay. i gotta i want to ride that and the guys we were riding with knew the area well and they're like yeah we we know where that is so oh. we went and did it and i'm like chris chris is really scared of heights so he just took off and went to the other end straight away and then we were stopping along the way to shoot some pictures but yeah it was Dude. definitely yeah like i actually look at that now and go yeah, I don't know if I would I do that again. I don't know. We, we yeah, we were on um, Royal Enfield Himalayan, mm-hmm. their little four hundred cc adventure bike, and they were loaded with all our stuff. So you know there wasn't much uh, much power left over. So I was actually quite happy to be on that bike rather than like a KTM five hundred or something where you've got power and mm-hmm. you could easily you get yourself get in trouble. trouble yeah. yeah, at some yeah. point you're 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 in India riding this you know two foot. Uh, trail yeah. over a cliff and you're like well the, the series is in st louis today and uh yeah, yeah i don't really need to be there you know i'm here right. you know <laughs> well speaking about that i wanted to touch on that really quick as well you know earlier we were talking about there is life outside of 
motocross and supercross as far as the motorcycle industry. Yeah. And one of the trips we did go to Iceland, we've been there four or five times with, with Schooley and mm. ride with locals is his, is his company. And uh, he had a couple of journalists actually from, from the UK. Well, one, one motorcycle journalist and the other guy was a tour operator that was coming to sample the, the, the tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was when, it was one year when Eli could have win, won the championship at Millville or something. I can't remember. Yep. And that was the day where, you know, I was with my buddy Randy Commons who goes, goes on all the yeah. trips with me. I know Randy, yep. Randy, Randy's awesome. Great, great guy. And I owe Randy a lot as well for sure. And uh, so we, we're, we're in Iceland uh, with these guys and we're like, hey, you know, Eli could win today. And we asked those guys, we're like, oh, do you, do you follow motocross, Eli Tomac? And mm-hmm. they sort of had this blank look. They had no idea who he was or anything. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we were both like, how is that possible? Like, yeah. how do they not know who that is, you know? But yeah, there some are sort of passing knowledge of it, right? Yeah. Something. But yeah, yeah. no, ab- absolutely. Like, and you know, like, friends like John Knowles and Scott and Parabinos yeah. at Renthal and JT at WPS, uh, all racing people. And then they've, they've sort of been with these companies that are like worldwide and global. And, you know, they have to learn about other types of riding and racing and sales. And I think it's, you know, they've all had their eyes open a little bit too. Like, because you're just grinding away in a motocross, supercross atmosphere. And you're like, you know what? You know what sells goggles? Uh, GNCCs. Or, you know what sells handlebars is the, the, the Speedway series or whatever. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. And yeah, yeah, for sure. You don't realize it until you like look around and you, look, you work for a company that doesn't rely on supercross and motocross for, for everything. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I'm so uh, fortunate to have connected with Alpine Stars is is that they do have this wide ranging thing. I mean, I went to the uh, the Intermont trade show in Germany six years ago, and uh, we actually after that trade show we actually rode down to the KTM factory in Austria, which was which was awesome. But uh, I went to the Alpine Stars booth at the at the trade show, and you know Alpine when you think Alpine Stars when you go to the races. This is before their gear was – I mean, they had gear, but their main focus was still boots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you go to their booth and think, oh, this thing's going to just be boots. Well, 80% of it was uh, adventure bike gear, and there was a little 20% section was all the different boots and that they had. So it was then that sort of it hit me how serious they are about, about this segment. And um, I feel like in Europe actually as well, um, there's not so much off-road stuff as there is here. So – they can't just sort of go out to the desert and shoot or go up to the go up to Colorado and shoot for a week because that you just can't go off road so much over there most of the most of the trails are closed so uh yeah they rely on us to try and get some of that content as well that's awesome no it's cool it's yeah. it's nice to see like as someone and I've made a many a joke on my show about this being the last year in the sport and and but it's not because I have to keep paying a mortgage and everything <laughs> um you know but I am trying to stop burning the candle at both ends, you know, with, with every, the travel and the shows and the writing and everything else. It's nice to know that there's, there's life, Simon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. I mean, like if I was smart, if I was smart back in 2016, I mean, I actually had, I was, I was smart in 2014 and 2015 because I took my daughter Shannon with me to the races and she was doing a lot of yep. the digital management and renaming photos and yeah, I processing that. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that was, and you know, that was an amazing time for us too, because we got to spend a lot of time together. And um, and my son as well has helped me on some photo shoots, assisting and stuff um, mm-hmm. when when they when he was younger, you know. But uh, 
yeah, going if I was smarter back then, I would have done what well, like Gothic J used to do, right? He would fly first class all the time, and I think Honda was paying for coach class, and he'd just pay the difference himself, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I I feel like I should have done that because flying out there, you'd be more rested, and then coming back, I was working on the plane all the time anyway. So if I had a bit more room and a bit more mm-hmm. elbow room, I'd probably could have lasted a bit longer. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> who knows, right? Um, yeah, so my advice to you is if you if you feel yourself sort of look, looking past what this is, you know, get get help and have somebody help you doing what you're doing now so that, you know, maybe you don't have to go to every race. You could go to half of them, you know. Yeah, so. yeah and, you know, I do get upgraded a lot as far as that goes to travel. And I have a, I have a unique perspective where I was a mechanic for so long that when I get a bit burned out or a bit frustrated or, or all of that, I think to myself – Dude, I could have, I could be a mechanic. Like I just go to the ra- like literally when yeah. I'm at the races. I'm in the press box making jokes with my friends. Like it could yeah, be a lot right, worse. Right. Even yeah, mechanics you. are gnarly, right? Yeah. Well, even you, you, you guys are on the floor from all day long. I see Lismore there, and you guys, and you know, a guy B did it for so long, and you guys yeah. are hustling, man. And it's and it, I'm just watching, you know. Yeah. So there is a yeah. bit of a difference there for sure. Hey, uh, before we wrap this thing up here, looking back at some of some of your highlights as a photographer, and there's been a lot. I feel like, you know, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it was through Fox, through Ricky, through Scott Taylor or whatever it was, but you and RC got along really well. And for a long time, you were, you know, the guy there shooting off-season stuff with him, shooting behind-the-scenes stuff with him. And I really think you got a lot of great stuff with Ricky when he was in his prime. And, you know, people see that Cudby name right there, and it probably helped your profile a little bit. Looking back on that, Simon, uh, all those trips to Tallahassee and the goat farm and all of those interactions you had, uh, kind of a special time, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I had met Ricky at a pro circuit shoot, I think, because um, he, he was wearing AXO, I think, mm-hmm. 90, 98, was it, maybe? Yeah, in ni- or, 98. He, 90. Oh, 99, he wore AXO. Uh, he wore Fox and then, no, he wore Fox for Mitch too. So 98 Axo, yeah. 98, yeah. So I was shooting for Axo back in the days. So I met Ricky at a photo shoot and, you know, I had seen him at Loretta's one year as well. And when Scott Taylor was there as well and he introduced me. And so that was, that was nice. But then, you know, as, as his career took off, I actually sort of going full circle. My first time I went to the goat farm was with uh, Kenny Safford for Alpine Stars. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was he was on a cowie, and I can remember talking to him then and being like, "I'm like, man, look at all the stuff you've done. You've got to be so pumped. Could you could you imagine, you know, get it getting any better than this?" And then all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. his career was only just taking off, really. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I owe a lot to the Fox family, you know, uh, Pete and Greg Fox, and then my friend Sandy Egger, who who was the marketing manager. Because mm-hmm. um, I used to shoot a lot of mountain bike stuff back in the day, and um, Tara Yannis she rode for Specialized uh, Downhill and I uh, used to go ride in moto with Tara, you know, sort of midweek out, out in the desert out here somewhere in California. And she'd always be on the phone with this, this lady, Sandy. And I ended up calling Sandy. It was like, hey, you know, I'm a photographer. And, you know, at that time I just connected with Davey and Racer X. Right. And, that, and uh, I said, hey, I can go to the races and shoot, whatever. So I struck up a retainer deal with Fox in 2000, I think it was. and. Mm-hmm. And then we did a couple of motocross books. But, yeah, I, I went to the goat farm a lot. And back in the day, it used to be, hey, here's here's a gear bag with three sets of gear. Off you go to Florida and go shoot, you know. So yeah. I'd be out there shooting with Ricky. And we just get the stuff done. And we were shooting film back then. So, uh, um, 
yeah, that was good. But these days, you know, these shoots, uh, the athlete's time is, uh, le- they seem to have less time now and <laughs> yeah. the shoot. So like, you know, if, if a company gets three hours with a rider, they're going to have two photographers, a video guy and, you know, someone else and someone else there. Yep. Yeah, back, back then, then it's like, uh, yeah, it's JH uh, and you and Ricky. And, hey, Ricky, yeah. put this set on. Yeah. But it was Jeannie as well. Oh, Jeannie, Jeannie was yeah. always there. And that's when Ricky had that over-the-bars crash right before, yeah. uh, I think it was November. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, oh. we were at, just he and I were shooting. It was last last set of the gear and uh, for the day. And he's like, oh, I'm just, I'll do a 20-lapper and you can shoot while I'm riding. I'm like, okay. And then he's going really good. And then sort of lap 18, he goes over the bars and, punch it pumps a hole in the back of his leg and uh there's silence so Jeannie comes over because she's uh, she's way over in the shed uh-huh. you know one of the one of the barns over there she comes over and she puts Ricky in the in the truck she's like okay we're not we're not going to talk to anyone about this right I was like uh no so <laughs> sort of all of a sudden I was in the circle of trust at that point you know yep. so uh, yep uh, so I'm back at the hotel in Tallahassee and I couldn't call Davey from Racer X I couldn't call Sandy from Fox because you know yeah, I was I was kind of sworn yeah, to secrecy. Like, so yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, and actually, again, go, you know, going full circle again, I went with Ricky and JH and uh, and Paggio and Ray Butts on a uh, adventure bike ride this summer for Triumph. Oh, and yeah, yeah, there you that go. That was awesome. <laughs> I mean, Ricky's he's so classic. I mean, you know, right? Yeah, he's yeah. so funny. And uh, but that's again, you know, taken away from the competitive. Mm-hmm. I win, you lose, kind of thing. It's more like, hey, we're buddies and we're we're all out riding and we're having fun and we're experiencing the wilderness together and it's just beautiful and the sunset and you know you get get to where you're staying and everyone's sort of talking about what a great day they had and I don't know, it's just it yeah. just feels it feels good, you know. I think the most Ricky and I have ever talked, we're, we we didn't, we didn't talk for years, we didn't like each other, but now we're fine, we're great now. But I think the most passionate. I seen him lately was when I told him I went to Sturgis and oh, all yeah. he wanted to do was talk to me about Sturgis a lot, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, is beautiful yeah. up there. Right. But I think he loved it. He, I, he's done it yeah. a couple of times and he really, yeah, it it really fun. captured his heart, you know? Well, this, this trip this summer, and he probably won't like me saying this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So we, uh, a couple of highlights from this, this triumph sort of his five day adventure bike trip. And we, we rode a lot on the street, but most, you know, some of it was off, was off road as well. And, you know, I, I would, uh, we say this one spot and there was this creek down, down the hill a little bit. And the guy that owned the property was like, yeah, you guys can go ride down the creek. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, nothing, nothing wins like adventure bike photos going through a creek yeah. with the water splashing. Sure. It's kind of, you yeah. know, so we sent, I went down there and Ricky followed me and JH and those guys. And I sent Ricky down to the end and he's sort of, you know, he's struggling to turn the bike around. It's kind of rocky and a bit slippery and he's, he's, He's just really struggling. So JH goes over and helps him and comes he comes straight at me through the water and we bang off a bunch of photos and I'm like, Do you want to go again? He goes he goes, No, look, I I appreciate that you think I can ride really well, but I you know, this isn't my thing. Like I like to do big rides, but this technical stuff on a big bike, I mean these bikes are five hundred pounds, you know. Yeah. yeah. And Ricky Ricky is is not a uh a uh tall gentleman right yeah, so he has yeah, trouble yeah. touching the ground as do i you know so uh but that's kind of that's the kind of stuff that you when you're on a trip that you you remember you know and uh i went through this mud section on on my bike and got through it because in moab and we had to get to this one spot but it was there was a giant puddle in this red rock 
mud, so it's super slick. And I was like, all right, we've got to get up to that point. So I rode through it. And then, of course, Ricky comes through and he has a little tip over. And <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. So we started posting stuff about each other all week, you know, Rick, Ricky down in, in uh, Moto2 <laughs> kind of thing. And yeah, my bike fell over. So, that was, you know, everyone's got their phones out shooting yep, pictures. And, right. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Just, yeah, fun yeah, time. Yeah, it's good times. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really good. Absolutely. Uh, nice to catch up with you, Simon. Really yeah. good to see you. I hope to see you more around the races. Always enjoy talking to you. Uh, one of the best dudes in the industry. And I'm, although the upshift thing went sideways and you moved from Boise, I'm I'm glad because I get to see you more probably. So yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I I uh, you know I did I did although I I am shooting for Alpine Styles and these other these other brands and stuff, but I did start a thing called Off Road Underground, which is just really a placeholder for some of the trips we do. So if mm-hmm. anyone's interested okay. in looking at pictures of adventure bikes in different different countries you go to um, offroadunderground.com and that's where a lot of that content lives and i actually connected with chris kiefer recently to do some off-road bike uh, not adventure bike more like like ktm 450s or husky 501 that kind of stuff and to do some bike tests with that stuff because i know chris is chris is starting to be really interested in that stuff too so yeah uh, um that's where like kiefer Offroadunderground.com. Okay. Offroadunderground.com and then, you know, connecting with uh, Kiefer Inc. testing as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's Yeah, good. you're back. You're back in. That's it. I'm you're, back. You're back. You're back in. <laughs> Cudby's back. Yeah, no. I feel, like I, no went, I feel like I went years without seeing you. I probably did, but I yeah, feel uh, like it was years. So <laughs> It's it's funny because I, like, I told my wife the other day, I was like, I felt a little bit lost up there, you know, when I was in, in Idaho because, yeah. you know, I sort of was, was talked into moving there and we – sort of pulled up roots to go there and and uh a couple of years later it just didn't really work out and uh you know being back here it, it definitely feels like home that's for sure and yeah. you know the weather and you know when you live in california you don't really think about the weather but when you live in idaho you're definitely thinking about <laughs> how many layers you have to wear and yeah. is the ground frozen enough for me to ride my mountain bike on without without it being muddy you know yeah I pretty, like I pretty much just wear shorts and flip-flops every single day here in Vegas, yeah. you know, I don't really right. think about it. So, uh, awesome, man. Great to catch up with you. Thank you for the time. Uh, congrats yeah. on, on everything on off-road underground and all that and the A-Star thing. And yeah, glad to see you'll be back at some more dirt bike races at, I appreciate some, it. at some point. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, Simon. Yeah. I wanted to say to you, Steve, as well, I'm, I'm really stoked for how, how you've done over the years and how successful you've been. And I really appreciate you calling me yesterday and asking me to come on the podcast. So, uh, yeah. thank thanks for that and i'll see you at anaheim sounds good thanks for that and uh thanks simon talk to you man thanks